Do you feel things more deeply than others? Well, you might be highly sensitive. We're gonna find out what that is today and why it's important. Stay tuned. Hello and welcome to Men on Point, a Victories podcast. My name is DJ Paris. I am your guide and host through the show. If you're new to our podcast, what we do here is interview experts inside and outside the Victories community to help men continue on their journey of development. Now, in just a moment, I'm going to be speaking with Dr. Tracy Cooper, who is a leading expert of the temperament known as highly sensitive, which is approximately 15 to 20% of our population. Now, in our conversation, Dr. Cooper defines what it means to be a highly sensitive person and some of the benefits, but also how to cope with the challenges that arise. And while you may or may not identify as highly sensitive, Odds are someone in your immediate family or friend circle does identify this way, and this will also allow you to learn how to better support them. As always, before we jump in, I'd like to quickly read the Victory's mission. Victory supports men through weekend and group programs that lead to deeper self-awareness, greater self-confidence, stronger relationships, and greater connection to themselves and community. Our weekends and peer support groups are designed by professionals, attended by professionals, and based on widely accepted clinical principles that help men find peace and balance in their lives. Okay, let's get to it. My conversation with Dr. Tracy Cooper. Today, our guest is Dr. Tracy Cooper. Now, Dr. Tracy Cooper is a strong advocate for high sensory intelligence people, also known as highly sensitive people, and those who are also high in sensation seeking. Tracy holds a PhD in transformative learning and change and is a professor at Baker University Graduate School of Education. He's the author of the books Thrive, The Highly Sensitive Person and Career, Thrill, the high sensation-seeking, highly sensitive person, and empowering the sensitive male soul. Tracy is also co-producer of the documentary film Sensitive Men Rising with director and co-producer Will Harper. He also appeared in the 2015 documentary film Sensitive, The Untold Story. To learn more about Dr. Cooper, please visit his website, drtracycooper.org. I'm going to spell that. D-R-T-R-A-C-Y, cooper.org. And by the way, we will have a link to that in our show notes. He is also widely available on social media and to check out the movie that he is working on right now, which is called Sensitive Men Rising. Please visit sensitivemenrising.org. That link is also in our show notes. Welcome, Dr. Cooper. Thank you so much, DJ. Excited to be here. I'm excited to see you. to full disclosure, uh, Dr. Cooper and I have actually met before because I was introduced to you through um, learning about uh, what an HSP is because I uh, was trying to figure out what was going on with me um, at a time uh, just pre just before the pandemic started. Um, and I, and I'll, I don't think I've ever shared this with you, but I'll, I'll just share it with you. I was 
flying back from from a, a trip with uh, with family and I was sitting in an airport by myself and I was thinking about all this time I had spent with my family and I was really activated the entire the entire trip it was a holiday I think it was a Christmas and I was going gosh I just react more intensely to things than my other family members and I said there's got to be a name for this it can't just be me I'm not that special there's got to be other people that 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 have whatever I have, maybe there's a name for it. So I was sitting in the airport. I had a flight that, you know, I had an hour to kill and I started searching for things like typing insensitive or high, high sensitivity. And I stumbled across, uh, what we, what is now known as HSP and a highly sensitive person. I took a quiz. I was like, well, that is definitely me. And then I found you specifically working with men, um, who who deal with having this temperament. So um, anyway, I've I've been talking a lot, but I really want to first educate our audience on what being highly sensitive means. Right. And so thanks so much, DJ. And, and so starting out, the, the highly sensitive person is the kind of the popular culture term and really the scientific name of the trait. And it is a genetic trait. It's called sensory processing sensitivity. And it's been around since uh, about 1997 officially, but um, Dr. Elaine Aaron is the originator of the trait with her husband, Dr. Art Aaron. And she was uh, in therapy for many years prior to the mid nineties and developed um, this trait over time as she was working through some of her own issues, <laughs> which is really a fascinating thing in and of itself. But you know, being a highly sensitive person really is the pop culture trait or name for the trait. We can, it's sensory processing sensitivity is the scientific name. And sometimes highly sensitive person as a, as a phrase gets in the way of understanding it. So I do want to say that it could be known by different names, but it kind of just means the four core aspects of the trait, which are, we, we call by the, the DOES or the D-O-E-S acronym. So depth of processing, we process all stimulation more thoroughly. Um, and so that means we spend more time in pattern recognition and memory consolidation and thinking about the things that happened to us the day before or the year before. Sometimes that's bad, of course, because it can lead to rumination, right? So you mentioned intensity, right? Experiencing things in a more intense way. And so that leads to the second core aspect or overstimulation. We have a lower threshold for feeling overstimulated, such as an airport is a great example for that. I can't think of much more that's uh, overstimulating than standing in a TSA line waiting to get through. <laughs> so that lower bar for over threshold or for overstimulation. And when we feel that way, we feel frazzled, we may feel irritated. Sometimes we feel like we need to escape and just go to a quiet place and breathe and just gather ourselves for a bit. Uh, the third aspect is high empathy and emotional responsiveness. We tend to have a broader emotional range and we tend to be able to identify with the experiences of other people quite readily. And sometimes uh, being high in empathy can be an issue because you could take on their energy and that could be uh, overwhelming as well. The last uh, core aspect of the trait is uh, the sensitivity to subtle cues, both in our internal environment and in the external environment. So we notice things that other people may miss. And that those all work together, the deeper processing, the sensitivity to subtleties, the high empathy and emotional range can feed the overstimulation. So we really do have to be in balance and understand how the trait itself works. But in and of itself, the trait is a neutral, naturally occurring trait that's evolved through nature over time, you know, to help us thrive, survive and to flourish. 
And it, it's it's a it's a temperament that affects a, a decent a larger percentage of the population than I would have guessed when I was sitting in, in the ho- or in the airport trying to figure out what was wrong with me. Um, and and then I learned about uh, what an HSP is highly sensitive person and real and and I learned that about twenty percent of the population actually is considered HSP. Is that is that accurate? It used to be 15 to 20% when the research was a bit younger. And now actually they're thinking, you know, it could be up to 30%. And they're thinking of sensitivity as a general trait in humans. Um, And so 30% might be more highly sensitive. The middle 40% are kind of the bell curve, the big part of the bell curve, moderately sensitive. And then the low end of another 30% roughly that are low sensitives. So sensitivity being a general trait in humans, it's a matter of where you are along that continuum with those of us at the higher end of it exhibiting more strongly with the the DOES that I described. Yeah, I, I remember growing up, I was always told that I was maybe more sensitive than other other boys my age by uh, by my parents and maybe even by my my friends' parents. I remember hearing that. And f- I, I, I suspect a lot of our listeners can probably relate to that as well. Um, how would someone know if they have this particular temperament of being uh, highly sensitive? It's funny you mentioned that, DJ. I was just thinking of Luke Goss, who is actually one of our featured uh, celebrities within our film, Sensitive and Rising. Um, and he said that, you know, I think most people kind of know that they're sensitive. They don't really have a name for it or really a, a way to describe it, but they know it within themselves intrinsically. And so when they find out that they're highly sensitive or that they identify with sensory processing sensitivity, it can be a revelation. It can be illuminating and validating in many ways, or it can be one of those things that becomes an obstacle, like, oh my gosh, one more thing, right? They have to contend with and understand. But you can find out by simply taking the self-test at um, hsperson.com. Dr. Elaine Aaron has a bunch of self-tests, one of those being where you can answer 27 items and if you identify, I believe, with 11 items or more for men, then you might consider yourself highly sensitive. And it's different for men or women, believe it or not, even though we're equally distributed. In other words, 50% of us are male and 50% are female within the highly sensitive population. Men have a harder time identifying with it because some of the questions are off-putting as they intersect with masculinity. So we might answer them in a different way because of cultural conditioning. So there's a lower bar for thinking of yourself as highly sensitive. It depends on which ones you identify with most. Yeah, that makes sense. I, you know, I I think uh being highly sensitive is is interesting. I I suspect it can be very isolating because not much is known, not much is known about it in in sort of the, the ethos. Um, and there isn't as much education as I'm sure you would you would like for there to be. So you have people who respond very um, intensely uh, to to stimulation, and that seems unusual to to other people, right? So people will witness uh, a sense of somebody having uh, what they might consider to be an overreaction. Um, and and to the sensitive person who's having the experience, it's just a normal reaction to them. Um, so, you know, I, I suspect this this becomes quite tricky because uh, sometimes there's just a lack of understanding about what's going on and who's experiencing what. Sure, absolutely, and it can be that you know we are all very different as sensitive people with 30% of the population if we think of it in those terms that's 2 billion people on this planet 
So that's not an insignificant uh, minority. It's a large minority, right? So it has to do a lot with your background and the environments that you're placing yourself in. In some environments that become negative or too stimulating, yes, we can react in the way that we feel like we need to escape or we're overreacting in some way or processing things in a more intense way. And that's a great word to describe the trade itself as intensity, right? We experience reality in a more intense way and process it more thoroughly. So of course, in a way, it's going to have a more profound effect on our psyches and look differently to those people around us. Like what's going on with that guy? (laughs) Um, And it can be also that you might not even notice. A lot of us who are men are highly sensitive and no one else would really know. We experience it internally. We don't, we've learned to kind of hide it away. Some people have been shamed for it uh, earlier in life. And so they don't show it, but they feel this intense, rich emotional experience that can be quite confounding. And so you mentioned the the lack of awareness and there are many more materials and resources than there used to be. And that's the impetus for the sensitive in rising film because that is hopefully a doorway through which men and 1 billion men who are highly sensitive can go through that doorway of understanding and greater self-awareness. And so that will open the door hopefully and then they can continue from there. And there's so many people now who are working as consultants and counselors and so forth Um, thinkers of all types that are doing research papers. And so it's an ongoing process and it's gradually increasing and it has a critical mass now where it's self-generating. There's so many people doing work. It's just amazing. And how did you get involved with, with eight being uh, or or studying highly, highly sensitive people? What, what was the impetus for you? Um, Tell us your journey. Yeah, my journey is of course, I've always been a highly sensitive as uh, Luke Goss kind of observed that I always knew it intrinsically that I was intuitive and that I felt more intensely and certain things made me think before I took actions like, should I do this? This doesn't seem real smart. But I also was quite confused sometimes by why did I not fit in as well because I'm more of an introvert. So that was always a problem. And and, we wanna be more social sometimes, but at the same time, we don't. It's a push and pull phenomena that intersects with um, high sensation seeking agencies, which we'll talk about a little bit later. But my journey really with, HSPs and sensory processing sensitivity started in my doctoral program. So from 2011 on, I was trying to find a topic for a dissertation. And what better to study than your own life, right? And this was the focus of my program. And so I had a fellow student recommend the book, The Highly Sensitive Person, said, you really need to read this because I was talking about introversion at the time. And but there's so much already been done on it. There really wasn't a gap in the literature that I could find readily. Um, and she sent something in me that I'm so grateful that she did because I read the book. I didn't like it at first. I was like, oh no, one more obstacle, one more thing. <laughs> I can't be a highly sensitive man, right? And it's like, that's not, I don't want to. I'm already it. introverted. That's hard enough. Now on yeah. top of it, now I've got this other thing. Yeah. I don't want this thing with this unfortunate phrase, highly sensitive man, right? Yeah. So it took me some while to learn to uh, uh, to come to terms and understand the model itself. So the, the depth of processing, the overstimulation threshold, the empathy and the sensitivity to subtleties. And I thought about that more over the months. Um, and the more reading I did, the more I understood, yeah, this makes sense as a model and how this has played out in my life. And so I did my dissertation topic on highly sensitive people in career because that was always a challenge area for me. And I think it's a challenge area for a lot of sensitive folks. So that was my beginning and my introduction to that. And believe it or not, Dr. Ted Zeff, the late Dr. Ted Zeff actually served on my dissertation committee. So I was privileged in that way to know some of these folks. And then since then, I've been in Sensitive Untold Story in 2015. Um, now working with Will Harper on the men movie, Sensitive Ben Rising, uh, published three books on the topics. My first book was on 
uh, not surprisingly, highly sensitive people in career. <laughs> the second one was on high sensation seeking HSDs, and the third was on sensitive men. Those topics all arose as a matter of doing that dissertation. So I knew in writing the dissertation that these are topics I want to explore later. And I did. <laughs> and since then, I've done consulting. I, I have an international consultant on high sensitivity. I do seminars, uh, mostly virtual for the moment, but I hope to do some in-person ones. Um, I work with you know, Elaine Aaron and some of the people that are doing research. And it's an ongoing phenomenon, an ongoing story for me that's still unfolding in really interesting ways. I've noticed over the last uh, three years, I've seen more and more um, uh, articles, I've, uh, social media posts, um, even TikTok uh, accounts dedicated to highly sensitive person, this HSP phenomenon. Um, that that Dr. Elaine Aaron, you know, of course, uh, really helped discover and embrace. And what was amazing for me as as I was sitting there, uh, you know, back in, in the in the terminal of the airport, all of a sudden I went, "Oh, there's a name for this, and it's not a deficiency. It's not a problem. It's just a temperament. It's just part of my code, my 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 wiring. And there's pot. There, there's really a lot of advantages to it, as well as some challenges, right? Some some things to to keep in mind uh, to help cope with with some of some of these um, some of the attributes. Can can we talk a little bit about some of the positives, some of the the real benefits? Because I know as a man growing up and being sensitive, it, it wasn't really applauded very much in the community, right? Being a young boy, we were you know we were supposed to be traditional sort of uh, male, uh, masculine, uh, you know, our archetypes. We were supposed to be boys and play and rough and tumble and not supposed to be very sensitive. And I, I know the, the tide has changed, thankfully, where that's more accepted now. But there's a lot of men who are my age and older who, who really were, were shamed for being, uh, being sensitive. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And there are some real positives to the trait. And we really, it is a good way to think of it as your hardwiring, your disposition, your temperament, however you want to think of it. It's something that you are you are born with. In other words, I say it's an inherited trait with a high heritability score for traits um, and sensation seeking as well as it has a high heritability. So you inherit these very, what are strong traits. Um, and then how you how you actually experience those has to do with the fact you inherited the trait your early environment, whether whether you had trauma in your early environment, can deeply color the way you experience the rest of the world. Plus, also your choices throughout life can influence the way that you feel about your life and the way you feel about the trait and how you experience things. Some of the positives, though, and we often overlook this when talking about highly sensitive people, there are tremendous gifts that come with being highly sensitive. Uh, for one, we tend to be primarily, though not necessarily, employed in the helping professions. So, so many of us that are healers and educators and creators tend to be highly sensitive. If you think of sensitivity as being finely attuned, like a finely tuned instrument, I think of a violin that's got strings that are very finely tuned. You pluck those strings. I mean, it's similar to us. We're very finely tuned and we pick up vibrations from the from the external environment, but also the internal environment. So we're keenly tuned to feel what other people are doing, how, what their emotional state is like, how to navigate those processes. So we can be in many, many different types of roles and professions and do extremely well. But the challenge that goes with it, of course, is that overstimulation bar is lower. 
So we have to pick and choose the environments that we're in and then manage the amount of stimulation we have at any one time so we can do it in a really sustainable way. And in that way, we can really take advantage of our giftedness. It's not it's not giftedness per se. In other words, we're not gifted individuals in that description of the term, but there are certain potentialities that comes with being highly sensitive. So it's something that you really learn about. It's hopefully something you allow in your life. Then you kind of come to accept it as you're hardwiring here, you're programming in a way. And then throughout your life, you continue to self-actualize and you realize that your potential is not limited. You're not born with a finite amount of potential. In fact, it's ever expanding throughout life. So the more you engage your capacities the, with your capabilities, the more you find your potential expands. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, I was thinking about, we were talking about overstimulation um, and I was recognizing that one of the ways that, that being highly sensitive can feel very isolating is the need for restorative time or, or time to sort of just unwind, uh, decompress. For me, I, you know, it's funny, I, I've been taking baths my whole life, not to get clean, not as a preferred way of, sh- of, of, you know, taking care of my body and hair and cleaning myself, but as a way to unwind. And I've been doing that for pleasure, I guess is, is the best way to say it. Um, my whole life. And I, I was the only one I knew that did that. And I thought, well, that's just what I'm into. And I've since come to sort of realize that that's my own private alone time that I can use to, to unwind, to turn off the stimulation um, and, and then be able to regroup and, and return to, you know, a, if, if I'm with family, if I'm with, you know, friends, I can return, but I do need that alone time. Um, and I'm curious on, uh, you know, I, well, I will say this too, that not everybody is built that way, right? So not everybody needs to go off and, and, and relax and unwind and regenerate, but it seems to be pretty important for people who have, uh, who are HSPs. Is, is that, is that correct? No, it's absolutely true. And it brings up the whole long topic of self-care, right? <laughs> that we, we do have that lower bar for threshold or for overstimulation. We are highly empathic at times, and that can mean that we're perpetually overstimulated if we're not really in control of ourselves and understand the trait. And so many of us do not understand that. And we tend to focus on you know, fitting ourselves into the world, adapting ourselves to the world rather than adapting our lives to our needs. And that's the focus we really need to have. And so we do need to, we do need that withdrawal time and that time to recharge, whether it's uh, through meditation or just being in a quiet room, through learning to calm our nervous systems, our very active nervous systems. Um, And so I, I find the same things, DJ, when I'm in an airport and it's too overcrowded, I'll seek out the quiet spot where I can just have some space for me, it's physical space that really matters, but I also love the water as well. And I don't think that's an uncommon thing for highly sensitive people. We tend to really connect well with nature. We tend to do well and feel much more calmer when we're interacting. And this is kind of a concept with the Japanese with forest bathing. That's kind of a tradition with them, but we find that that works really well for sensitive people as well is to commune with nature because that really, it brings everything back into alignment the way that we're naturally evolved to. When you think of our civilization, our society as being highly technological, highly artificial, highly overstimulating because the majority of our population uh, are extroverts and they're go, go, go all the time. But the majority of sensitive people are introverts. So 70% of us are introverted and only 30% of us are more extroverted. And even they tire after a while of the stimulation. So that need for self-care, for for time to recharge, for understanding uh, how to make 
friends and be in communities that really value and support that, there's so much that goes along with it. It points out the need not only for education, but for mentoring and coaching, sometimes for therapy. But one of the most important things I'll bring up is the need for boundaries, the need to set really effective boundaries. And it's not to keep people away, it's to protect them <laughs> from our irritation as much as to protect uh, as to protect ourselves from feeling overstimulated. Sometimes we only learn that as a matter of exceeding those boundaries where we don't know one needs to be set. So, so H- HSPs, if I he- if I hear you correctly, HSPs tend to uh, develop irritation once they're overstimulated. Is is that is that correct? It can be overstimulation. It could be outright anger. It could be a need to say, I just got to leave. I got to withdraw from this situation for a bit, or I'm not even going to go into this situation because I know it's going to be super crowded and super noisy. And I'm insane for going and doing that. There are still many of us who are willing to have that experience, you know, for the sake of the experience itself, knowing that we're going to be overstimulated and we're going to need to recharge for, I don't know, a couple of days afterwards. We're just not encountering anything as overstimulating. Like, I mean, there's no reason you can't enjoy a concert, for instance, knowing that, yeah, you're, you're going to be really overstimulated by the noise and the energy of the people, but plenty of us are fine with that and enjoy the experience itself, knowing going in that it's going to be overstimulating. And Elaine Aaron actually said that the best way to learn to manage those, that sort of overstimulation is being in the world itself and learning what works for you because we all are very different from each other. No two HSPs are alike. Yeah. Is there a connection uh, or a correlation rather between artistry or or having an artistic temperament um, or personality trait? I'm not sure uh, what the correct term is with uh, HSPs. Is, is there a positive correlation there? There is a positive correlation. And I love that you bring that up because I should mention my baseline is creativity. So what led me to reinvent my life in my early 40s and go back to school and begin this whole journey was this need to reinvent, right? So creativity for me is a baseline. And openness to new experiences uh, has so much to do with sensitivity. You think about this finely tuned instrument, but what do you do with this instrument? What's its purpose? It evolved in nature because when you're outside, you need to be able to, to tell whether somebody on the horizon is friend or foe. You need to be able to think about resources that are around you, what you can do with them to fashion tools to solve problems. So I think it's innately creative, as Elaine Aaron has uh, described, that the trait itself is, is, is really, it defines creativity. If you think about the deeper thinking, the deeper processing, that's what you need to do to create innovative solutions. But you also need to be aware of subtleties, subtle cues that other people miss. So thinking about something in a new way, or I noticed this, so this gives me an idea to do this. Um, as well as the high empathy and emotional range that provides us with a broader possible palette to work with, if you will. So I think creativity is is kind of inherent within talking about sensitive people, but not for all people. Some of us have experienced trauma early on, and we tend to value uh, safety and security over venturing out. So there is a distinction between the way people experience sensitivity. And so I, I want to pivot just briefly to talking about highly sensation seeking. So we've been talking about highly sensitive HSP, highly sensitive person. And I want to also define what is high sensation seeking and how does it connect with highly sensitive? Right. And thanks again so much for this, because my second book was on the high sensation seeking, highly sensitive person. And I wrote that book because it was intriguing to me that about 30% of us are high in another trait called sensation seeking. 
And that trade has actually been around since the late 60s with Dr. Marvin Zuckerman, who was doing uh, isolation experiments with uh, understanding how people reacted when they're put in isolation tanks and deprived of sensory uh, stimulation. And they found that uh, some people, when they were deprived of stimulation, they began to feel irritated almost right away and they wanted out. <laughs> they, they didn't like being alone and being in dead quiet. In fact, they would begin, they would make their own music, right? They would hum or they would sing just to have some kind of stimulation. And so they, they, they studied this over time and realized that, oh, this is a trait. This is an actual, this is an actual genetic trait. And they found it has a fairly high heritability as well, just like sensitivity. And it's also a general trait. So all humans are sensation seekers to some degree. So it's just a matter of whether you're kind of low, medium, or high. This is with sensitivity. Those of us that are high in sensation seeking and also high in sensitivity have what are in effect or what you would think would be two um, opposing traits because sensation seeking has four um, core aspects as well. The first being thrill and adventure seeking. And you think of these as physical thrills for adrenaline rush. Um, the second being novelty and new experience seeking, which is more identifiable for people who are highly sensitive. They're like, oh, yeah, I like novelty, right? To a certain extent, people identify with that one. Uh, uh, boredom susceptibility. Um, so we tend to have a lower threshold again. This is with overstimulation for sensitives. High sensation seekers have a lower threshold for feeling bored with repetitious situations, with boring people or boring circumstances. And the last one is disinhibition. So if sensitivity is kind of an inhibition or a pause to check or pause to think before doing something. Disinhibition is the opposite. It's like, let's go do this and not even think about it. It's not the same as impulsivity, but it's kind of a liking for things that are outside the norm, like wild parties and that kind of thing. So disinhibition, the opposite of inhibition. You would think, wow, there's no way you can have somebody who is both high in sensitivity and high in uh, sensation seeking, but 30% of us are. Right. And that's a wonderful combination of the two traits when you understand it, but it's doubly confusing at the same time. So and, that's why I wrote highly, the book. highly sensation seeking uh, has the potential for for some has, has some problematic aspects to it if there aren't uh, appropriate gates or boundaries around behavior. Right. Because this is where people can get involved in really extreme behavior to satisfy the desire for high sensation. Um, and maybe put themselves or others at risk. Right. And, and sensation seeking works through the dopamine uptake pathway in the brain, and that's the pleasure pathway. So when we do something that is thrilling in a way and satisfying, you get that little dopamine, that adrenaline rush, that little hit, and it becomes addictive. And so the problem with that is if you're also impulsive, if you have an impulsive nature and you don't have that counterbalancing, hey, let's think about this first, like you would if you were highly sensitive, you may try something like a, an illegal drug and then you, you do that and you realize that, oh, this is great. So you get that same dopamine hit, but then it doesn't work as well after a while. And you have to do something a little stronger, a little stronger, a little stronger. It's kind of that way. Um, and so it can be a problem and a real challenge and it can lead to illegal behaviors and it can cost you. Not only it could cost you your marriage, but it could cost you your freedom. It could also ruin you financially. So it's something that has a very dark side to it. And so something we have to really be aware of, but the counterbalance for high sensation seeking, uh, highly sensitive people is we do have that strong pause to think before we do something. So there is that, that kind of caution sign there that counterbalances. And if you can really hold them, hold the space for both equally and not let the sensation seeker run over the sensitive, you have something really dynamic because uh, high sensation seekers are innately very highly creative people. 
Yeah, I, I suspect a, a fair number of artists, whether they're musicians or painters or anyone involved in, in the creation of, of, of artistry, um, probably has some of these qualities, either highly sensitive, uh, high, high sensation seeking, maybe both. Um, but it, it seems like those would would make sense be because they're able to to take uh feelings and 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 manifest them into f- sort of uh, other ways whether it's sound or, or or visual medium um and, and I suspect a lot of our artists probably fall into those categories and thinking of creativity not only in terms of visual arts or performing arts but in terms of what else can you do with creativity and you can do anything with creativity you can create a life right? You can create a whole new culture. You can create a whole new world with creativity when you understand it as not simply creating something new in the world, but manifesting in such a way that it improves not only your own life or the life of your family or your community, but my gosh, right? It's an incredible capability and a capacity that we have. Yeah. uh, Highly sensitive and highly sensation people, people who have these, these temperaments and these traits have a hard time shutting off the 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 mechanism right they're they're always taking in or or they're constantly taking in information they're feeling and that can be quite exhausting so it is is that why the need for for restorative time and self-care is is so critical yeah it's great to be right to be highly sensitive but it is calorically more intensive right it's energetically more intensive it's expensive to be the kind of organism that has to spend more time thinking and reflecting before coming to conclusions. But the benefit is better long-range planning. The downside is it's exhausting. <laughs> so there are many highly sensitive people who do burn themselves out, right, in their careers, in their relationships, because they have the wrong relationships. They choose the wrong situations. And so there's a concept called differential susceptibility um, uh, originated by Michael Pluse, who's a researcher in, uh, in, in Great Britain. And that basically means that we we do better in positive environments and we do far worse than average in negative environments. And so our impetus and our real essential focus should be on placing ourselves and keeping ourselves in positive environments and not necessarily positive 100% of the time. That's not really what we mean because that's impossible to do, but more positive than not. So if you're in a situations that are chronically negative, that's going to be far worse for you. And it would be for anybody, but HSPs tend to be those canaries in the coal mine, if you will, the early warning system of dysfunction in systems. So when they're reacting, they're the first ones to react, but the other people are feeling it too. They're just not registering quite as much. You know, it's so true. I I think that I'm always the first one in in my family uh, to notice a smell, to notice a sound. Uh, again, it's not a superpower. I just have, I'm I'm more tuned to that. And, and, you know, there's other things that I don't notice, uh, that other family members notice, but when it comes to sounds, uh, you know, sensations, um, touch, uh, I, I tend to, I tend to notice it first. So that, that, that makes a lot of sense. Um, but it also can feel very isolating because, you know, even though it might be, you know, 20 to 30% of the population has, is highly sensitive. Um, 
not everyone knows that they're highly, not everyone has identified themselves as highly sensitive. And so you've really, and something I, I, I was, I'm very grateful to you for is creating an environment where men in particular, which is also not a traditional, uh, being highly sensitive is not traditionally a masculine quality in, in our culture here, uh, in, in, um, in the Western, Western world, but really creating a place where men who do identify as highly sensitive can, uh, can commune and, and can support each other and learn from each other. Um, I, I, uh, was very, very surprised, um, and grateful to find that there were men from all over the world that felt the same way I did. And, um, can you talk a little bit about why you decided to sort of engage the, the, the men of uh, highly sensitive? Right, exactly. And, and probably uh, most of all, because I'm a sensitive man myself, and I knew that there were no resources, there was no way to engage with it. There were a couple of books, there really wasn't much going on. And, and when you dig into it, wow, it really clashes with these, these cultural notions of masculinity of being kind of master of all domains, you know, unemotional, super stoic, you know, misunderstanding what stoicism is, um, uh, sexually dominant over women, uh, just all these hyper-masculine, hyper-aggressive ideals that have led us to kind of ruin. There, there's so many wars and dysfunctions and suicides and suffering from mental health issues that are likely a result of people subscribing to these notions that men are supposed to be destroyers in a way, supposed to embody this warrior archetype more so than the healer or the lover or the wise ruler, Right. And so being highly sensitive really is about highly sensitive in a male is about embodying all of those in an equal way and say, no, you can be the lover and you can be the healer and you can be, you can be the leader, but you can also be the warrior. So it's a different way to be a man, which is not threatening in any way to those who are warrior types. We need those. Everybody is, is a purpose for us all. Right. But we need to work together in a way that really, that really allows for each person to, to express the the real fullness of their traits and that only happens through kind of one a gratitude for the traits that we have and the finite amount of time we have on this earth but also a willingness to to be open to new ideas without necessarily judging them and so that's one of the things we're we're trying to do with the film since it had been rising is open that door there's a lot of guys who react instantly no we don't like this you know it just it means this and this and this so no you haven't even heard about it yet and you've already judged you already slammed the door shut and we know it to be something else because I've interviewed a lot of highly sensitive men and they've been at my seminars and I've consulted with them. And wow, there's some guys of real depth, some guys of real reach and heart. And there's some of these guys are super successful. So you can't pigeonhole them or stereotype and say that we're all the same. You're all this way. No, not at all. You'd be quite surprised. So we hope in the film that there'll be at least one story that every person, whether you're male or female or somewhere in between, that you'll identify with and say, no, I felt that way. I identify with that story completely. And that leads to more exploration and understanding of what it means to be highly sensitive as a non-threatening, as a neutral trait, but it's something that you can learn more about. And it's something that has advantages to it as well as some challenges. But in general, yeah, working with highly sensitive men has been extremely rewarding and opening that door, kicking the door down is something that's necessary in the 21st century because masculinity in some ways is really stuck in this kind of industrial age mentality. And we're past that. We're, we're well into the 21st century, even though we have wars going on. There's a, there's a need for the healers. There's a need for the lovers. 
there's a need for more wise rulers and wise kings and wise leaders. Yeah, it it, it really just makes so much sense. I remember when I first uh, was connected through the community of highly sensitive men uh, through one of one of your seminars, and I remember because this is this was new to all of us at that time too. It's just a few years ago, and I remember the most common thing that was said was somebody would say, does anyone get annoyed when, you know, X, when, um, you know, the certain frequency of sound or, or certain, you know, stimulation, and we would all go me too, me too. And, and it, what, what I felt was that you were creating a community of support so that people who identify as highly sensitive. And by the way, again, 20 to 30% of the population split evenly men and women. So that's not even necessarily just a feminine trait, although we might consider it a, a culturally feminine uh, trait or historically feminine trait, actually equal in, in men and women. Um, I, I felt like we, we felt like, oh, we're not alone. There, there's, there's, there's room for us. We can connect with each other. And I think that that you know, just bringing bringing this out of the shadows um, into into a room of support was was really helpful for me because again, it was I was reading about it online, and then I was actually meeting people who thought the way I thought, felt the way I felt, and had the same challenges I did. Oh yeah, absolutely, DJ. You know, creating these spaces and holding space for these guys to come together is so validating for them in a way. And I've done it many times now, and I've seen you know dozens of guys at a as a, at a at a seminar, and they're connecting with each other. They're like, "Wow, look, there's other guys like me," <laughs> and but they're so different from each other at the same time, but they have some commonalities within those four aspects of the of the trait itself. So they're like, I'm deep thinking, I, I'm overstimulated at times, I notice subtle cues, and they're wondering, like, does this happen to anybody else? That's fairly common amongst really all HSPs, but it's wonderful to see men engaging in that way um, and not saying, no, no, I'm shut down. I mean, I'm, you know, I'm non-emotional and I, I'm incapable of being open, but seeing guys that are open and understand that, no, we need all kinds of people in the world and that you can be strong and sensitive at the same time. That those are not counterintuitive. In a way, is is one of your personal goals to make highly sensitive, uh, highly sensitive person HSP more um, accepted uh, for men? Is that is that one of your aims? Ideally, yes. We'd love to normalize it in our culture and across the globe. It's harder to do in some cultures than others, but in the U.S. culture and Western cultures, I think it's much more acceptable now because. As the generations are moving through the timeline, younger generations are, are more open to some extent. I even see that amongst millennials, and I'm a Gen Xer, the oldest Gen Xer, but uh, I see that amongst the younger generations. They're much more interested in talking about big feelings they have, you know, and how to deal with them. So they're not so freaking miserable, right? And have to go cope by getting drunk or doing drugs or beating somebody up. But saying, no, that was crazy. I grew up with that. We don't want that. We don't want to see domestic violence or you know, have these marriages that are so dysfunctional because too many of us saw that growing up and we want something else. We want something that's more, more fulfilling both for ourselves, but also for the people around us. So we can make terrific parents. We can make terrific uh, partners. We can make terrific coworkers learning about the trait, um, allowing it in your life and really coming to accept it over time is really our hope. So we hope to, to raise consciousness around being highly sensitive, but also normalize it in the world because it is a normal thing. It's not something that is a deficit. It's not a disorder. You can't find it in the DSM. It's not something that needs any treatment, but it does require 
certain degree of knowledge and information and education, mentoring, even some therapy to perform to form a context for the way you function in the world. And so that you have sustainable self-care practices and you have some context for what do I do with this, right? Because so many of us say, I'm highly sensitive. So what? What do I do with it? Right. So they need that mentoring and coaching and guidance. And so that's what we try to build that space for is to provide that framework and structure so that they gain from everything that we have sacrificed for years to put together for them. I, it's really, really a beautiful thing. I think anytime where, you know, this podcast is for men, so I'll just speak to speak to men, but I think anytime men can feel less alone in the world with whatever the qualities they, they may have, I think is, is a good thing. Um, and, and I believe you're, you're doing a lot of that work around the highly sensitive uh, part with with men um i would love to to let's let's talk about the movie sensitive men rising i'm really excited about this because i saw the first um movie that the doc, uh, dr aaron made uh sensitive um which which i thought was was excellent and just incredible and i love the fact that you're going further and now specifically addressing uh sensitivity in men um can you tell us a little bit about the project the film, yeah. Me and Will Harper, Will Harper produced or directed the first movie, Sensitive the Untold Story, and then they, they they made a couple of other movies, Sensitive and In Love. And so the time seemed right to address this topic of, you know, what about highly sensitive men? It seemed like the right time because there was so much going on in the world. It's like, no, we need to, to make it okay. We need to bring this out more. The first movie had opened the doors and established the, fr- the framework, the groundwork, uh, and pe- so people know kind of what the trait is. It's like, okay, we don't have to do that, but now let's push further. What about sensitive men? How do we address that? So many of these guys are insecure about really understanding the trait or allowing it in their lives, kind of in a way being in the dark and hiding it away. Some of them have been shamed and feel guilt over it. Some of them have trust issues they've been because of that shame and abuse. So it's making it okay and describing it in a way that makes sense to them. So it's not something that you've been told or shamed for. It's some. It's simply a naturally occurring trait that's intended by nature. It has a purpose, right? So it's not something that you should feel bad about or not something that you should feel feminine about. It's something you should learn to come to embrace over time. So this film was intended to, to become a documentary allowing guys to really tell their stories. So guys from all different walks and radical diversity. So we have people from all over the world, including people like Boya Bunda, who is the Oprah of the Philippines, right? We have Luke Goss, who was in a, a tremendously successful 80s boy band um, and now has been over 25 feature films, mostly action films. So he's a guy that you look at. Kind he's a man's of looks, man. <laughs> he's a man's man, right? And he's taller than you would think, by the way, in person. <laughs> he kind of <laughs> looks like Clint Eastwood in a way, right? But he's this tough guy character. But my gosh, the guy has this super, this super tender heart. And this love for human beings and spirituality. And he has a he has an Instagram that you should check out called the, the Luke Goss, where he posts wonderful videos and songs. And it's like the, the antithesis to everything you see in his films. We have other people in the film. I mean, uh, it's amazing the amount of talent. We have Scott Barry Kaufman in the film, who's a cognitive scientist and humanistic psychologist, just released a book called Choose Growth, which is about self-actualizing throughout life. Tremendous psychologist, one of the best, most well-known ones in the world right now, has the number one psychology podcast on the planet right now. So we have Scott Barry Kaufman, PhD. I was just going to say the, the, the number of really impressive researchers and 
and and leaders in the field of of different different aspects of of, of psychotherapy or or just uh, self actualization uh, is is absolutely staggering. The the credentials of some of these people. Uh, like you have been mentioning, it, it's truly remarkable. You've accumulated a huge cast of talent. It, there's so much talent, DJ, that it's hard to fit it into the film because we don't want it to just be scientists and professionals. We have many other guys that are highly sensitive that are from ordinary walks of life, right? And so guys that are engineers and guys that are are, are healers of different types and creatives and just many different uh, diversities. So the idea is that when you watch the film, there'll be at least one snippet that you'll identify with and that'll be the gate opener for you and you could then go further with any of the resources that are out there now nowadays and there's so many more than they used to this film will be kind of an evergreen offering that it will always be out there opening that door because there will always be new generations and there will always be that 30 percent right that are highly sensitive in the population so it's something that will open doors for many decades I'm in a, a several uh, highly sensitive HSP groups on Facebook, and I remember three years ago when I first got introduced and I just kind of immersed myself in HSP culture and lore so I could learn as much about it. It was almost exclusively female uh, led and 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 the groups I was in was it seemed like I was the only male there. I'm sure I wasn't, but it seemed like most of the participants were were, were female. And I've seen that shift a bit. I've seen I as you were saying, I've seen that men learn more about this. Um, it seems to be more you know more in in the uh, in the zeitgeist now. And I'm I'm really grateful for that because I suspect there's a lot of men that will be that will awaken to this information as it continues to spread. And your movie, of course, uh, should help do that. And I suspect Victories, uh, the organization that that I represent here on the show, would would probably even love to do a screening once once you're uh, you're in po finished post production. Where, so where are you at in the movie? I, I know I know you you're you're sort of now in a second round of of funding. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, we're just about to kick off our new Kickstarter campaign and get more funding so we can do additional filming, actually wrap up the filming. We have a bunch of interviews to get in the can, and so we can start on post-production, and that'll be another effort at the end. But we're we're kind of in that middle phase, that make it or break it phase, in order to get the funding we need to really travel um, and grab these interviews in person and really high quality. So we have we have a great crew that travels. Um, we, can, we can pick up these interviews and have beautiful footage. Will Harper is this fantastic cinematographer. He does fantastic B-roll. And so it's going to be not only a, a, an educational, validating, illuminating sort of film, but a beautiful film. And you get some taste of that from his work with Sensitive Dental Story, but also the trailer for Sensitive Men Rising. And you can find both a short form, uh, about a two and a half minute uh, trailer at, on the homepage at sensitivemenrising.org, but also the long form trailer, which is almost 13 minutes, like a mini movie in and of itself. So you get a real taste for the, the way he moves through a scene and the way that he allows that space for these men to tell their stories. It's really something to behold. Yeah. I really encourage everyone listening to watch both of the trailers is specifically the long form one to really get a better sense of what, uh, what the, the, the final movie will, will, uh, will incorporate. Um, and you can visit that at sensitivemenrising.org. Trailers are there. You can learn about the, the people featured in the documentary and about Dr. Cooper as well and his work. And of course you can learn about all things highly sensitive and Dr. 
Dr. Cooper at his website, which is Dr. and drtracycooper.com and drtracycooper.org. We'll have a link to that in the show notes. And last, I uh, would love to ask you for anyone who's listening who thinks, boy, that sort of sounds like me. You mentioned that they could go to um, uh, to to go to Elaine Aaron's website to run some self tests to get a sense. So if if they run the test and determine that they do they believe they are highly sensitive, what would be a next good step you'd think for a man who who now identifies this? What should they do after that? I think it's wonderful to view the first sensitive movie. I think I always recommend that as the best quick introduction to the trade itself. You learn about the research, the science, Elaine Aaron's journey, how she started. You get an overview, kind of a survey course, if you will, for an hour. You get a really quick introduction to the trade. And then I think it's so helpful to you know pick and choose from among the books that are out there. There's so many great books that are still in the works. Um, it's amazing how much work is going on. It's really blossoming out in an incredible way. When I started writing my book in 20, 2014, there really wasn't a lot. <laughs> and now there's so much that's out there and people are coming out with new things all the time. And there's ancillary work that's going into other fields, uh, of course, beyond uh, psychology into sociology and creativity studies in so many areas. But I think continue to explore. Think about what it means, you know, to be highly sensitive and to allow that in your life and to be non-judgmental about it. And over time, I think you'll come to see it as something that's really, really a wonderful trait, but it also really helps if you can know at least one other HSP. And so, and Elaine always recommends this also, is meet and know at least one other HSP because being in the community with another HSP, having a friendship with another HSP can be so invaluable in post-processing. If something happens, you can run that by them and say, how does this sound? Am I, am I processing this correctly? Or am I thinking too much? It helps to reel you back in. You don't always need a therapist for those kinds of things. In fact, you're quite capable of, your, of it on your own because you're more aware of your inner processes than anybody else. But it does help so much to know at least one other highly sensitive person, whether male or female, it, it's equally as valuable. So you can attend a seminar, you can attend um, any of the events that are going on. And there are many, many different ones going on around the country at any time. So search the internet, there's plenty of them, you know, go with people who are credentialed, people who are really, really well established. And I think you'll, you'll benefit from it. I, yeah, I agree. And, um, you know, this idea of just feeling less alone, there is this growing community specifically uh, now, thanks to you, um, for men to to find each other, to support each other. I, I've been part of this community. These are these are good, good men who are very interested in going, hey, I got this thing that's a little bit different from other people. And oh, and I've got that thing too. And and there there is a, a tremendous amount of connection and joy just knowing that and thank thank God that we live in the time that we do where we can now connect with people from all over the world. I mean, the the seminar I attended with you, and this is three years ago, uh, I think there, I don't know how many men, uh, how many different countries, but it was more, more than a couple. There were men from all, from all sorts of different countries who, who were, were, who were feeling the same way that, that I was feeling. And then, and I guess that you were feeling and um, coming together as, is really, boy, that is a freeing moment. You, you, you not only feel less alone, but you feel understood. And I think the, the idea of being understood when maybe your spouse, 
spouse, your children, um, other members of, of, of your social circle might not have the same sensitivity and might not easily be able to relate. Um, you know, I, I, I've always heard things in music that maybe other people weren't able to, to pick up as, as easily, but that I'm, I'm not able to do other things that other people are able to do better. And, and it was just nice to be connected with people, like-minded people. And, um, and so I really encourage anyone out there who feels that they might have, uh, this particular temperament of being highly sensitive or highly sensation seeking to really find your community and thank goodness that, you know, this is a, a great reason to get on social media. I don't know that there's that many good reasons to get on social media, but this is one of them. You can connect with people who, who, who identify and you can actually share ideas and, um, I've made friendships with with people from uh, from from your groups, um, and so I, I'm grateful for you for that. And also, I, I again just to make sure um, for anyone out there who, who's interested, hsperson.com I believe is the is the website where you can learn more about what high, being highly sensitive is. Also, the documentary is great and. Plus, you get to check out Alanis Morissette. She's prominently featured in the movie as also somebody who identifies as highly sensitive. And boy, that just makes all the sense in the world. Everything I've ever seen and known about her would suggest that she's probably highly sensitive. And she is so eloquent and and featured very prominently in, in the film. And just kind of a, a it's just a wonderful film to really uh, learn more about what being an HSP is. But also visit learn all about Dr. Cooper and what his research and what he's up to, because he's really kind of the leader of the men's movement for being highly sensitive and highly sensation seeking. So visit him at drtracycooper.org. Again, that link will be in our show notes. Also, please support his film, uh, sensitivemenrising.org. Also, when the Kickstarter comes up, consider contributing to his um, film so he can get that um, produced and finished and distributed all over to uh, men all over the world. So Dr. Cooper, I greatly appreciate your time. Thank you uh, for spreading the word about what an HSP is and why it's uh, not a good or bad thing. It's a neutral trait, but something that we can embrace and learn to live with and cope with and also um, have it be uh, be more of a, a shining light uh, in, in all of our lives and our the community. So thank you on behalf of everyone listening to the podcast today. Really appreciate your time. Thank you so much. Absolutely, BJ. Wonderful to share it all and and think about how you know HSPs can embody sensitivity in the world. And one of the last ways I'll mention is that I recently joined the board of directors of a nonprofit called Waltz Waltz, which is actually aimed at reducing suffering, uh, destigmatizing mental health, mental illness, and ultimately reducing suicide. So that is also an organization that I deeply support as a board member. Um, and it goes towards the angle of you know reducing suffering, which I think we highly sensitive people can identify with very intimately. So they have a website called waltzwaltz.com. And it was actually founded by the unfortunate uh, death of Susan Crook's son, Walt. So there's an extremely poignant uh, story behind it. And I actually knew Walt very briefly. So there are many ways we can express our sensitivity in the world, but it really doesn't help so much if you just learn about it and you don't do anything with it. You really have to apply it to the causes of the world, the things you believe in and things that really speak to your heart. Boy, perfectly said. Uh, well, thank you for spending your time with us. And we wish you the best with your documentary and also your continued research and just spreading the message to men about being highly sensitive and highly sensation seeking. Thank you. 
My privilege, DJ. Thanks so much. Mm-hmm.